If we have not met formally yet, my name is Melanie. I'm married to Stuart, and I'm one of the leaders here in real life. Uh, my main job is I look after the under 18, so I look after the young here in real life. It's my absolute pleasure and privilege. I've got two boys, they're called Levi and Asher. One is 12 and one is 10. So I'm a mummy, a wife, a youth leader. I help look after the leadership team here, um, look after what we get up to in the community. So I have a job that's very varied, very fun, very interesting, very challenging. Today I want to ask the question, who or whom, whom do you follow? And I think we'll all remember what we were doing on Monday. It was like last Monday will be one of those days where if someone says to you, where were you uh, while the Queen's funeral was on, we'll all be able to say, we'll all be able to say where we were and what we were doing. Um, It was a day for us where our nation stood still and mourned the loss of our queen and if you watch the funeral you'll be well aware that our queen loved and followed Jesus. So we were as a family we decided to spend the morning at home watching the funeral at home because no one needs to see the management of our children while we're trying to watch something very somber. That should be a private thing only. So we stayed at home for that um, and I made banana bread because I woke up and I was like, I've got nothing really to do for a couple of hours. So made some banana bread so the whole house smelt like I'm a domestic goddess um, and didn't burn it. Made some banana bread, got loads of fruit together, got a nice bit of tea and juice and we sat down. The boys made what they call a beddy which is code for everything that is in our bedroom is now in the lounge. So every toy we own, every piece of soft furnishing, every cushion, every duvet piled up and we get in it. Um, So yeah, it's quite the thing to clear up afterwards. So we snug down, we watched the funeral. I thought we might have quite a few hours chilling out at home. It became very obvious after a couple of hours that that wasn't going to be the case. And so we headed out into Sutton Park, went for a really nice walk, and then we had scones with jam and then cream. So jam first, cream on the top. So we had scones with jam and cream. Just putting it out there. Scones with jam and cream. And we sat down together to enjoy that with friends in the fresh air. So I will remember lots of bits from that day. Justin Welby in his preach during the Queen's funeral said this. Jesus does not tell his disciples how to follow, but who. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And her late majesty's example was not set through her position or her ambition, but whom she followed. Was not set by what she owned or what she'd amassed or what she had, but whom she followed. And I loved that. When I heard him speak, I thought, I loved that. I wanted, when I get to the end of my life, to people to, for that to be said of me, that it was not about her position or what she'd done. It was all about whom she followed. 
in summary, I'd like people to say of me, it was all about Jesus. It was all about him. So I want to read to you something from the Bible. If you've got a Bible with you or you've got the Bible on your phone, you're welcome to turn to it. It's Acts 3, 1 to 8, and you can follow along. If you're not familiar with the Bible and don't usually read the Bible, that's fine. I'm going to read it to you. If you are curious and you think, I wouldn't mind a Bible, we will happily spend money on Bibles in this church. We spend money on pizza, the young and Bibles. We spend money on other stuff, but those things we'll happily spend money on. So if you think, I wouldn't mind reading a Bible, but I don't own one, come and form an orderly queue at the end, and we will get you a translation that you can read nice and easily. So this is Acts 3, 1 to 8. It's a great story, this one. It says this, Peter and John went to the temple one in the afternoon to take part Oh no, not one. Let me start that again. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. There we go. That's better. As they approached the temple, a man lame from, lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gates, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them, eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. I'm going to pull five quick things out of that story and I want you to leave with at least one thing. I want you to leave with something that you could look at, you could investigate further, you could question, you could do something with. So the first quick thing I'm going to pull out is that Peter and John, who were Jesus' disciples, Jesus' friends, were going to pray. And if I'm being honest, this, more than anything else, speaks of whom you follow. So who you turn to in a crisis, who you go to when it's tough, who you go to when you're sad, when you're happy, when you have got something that you really need, who you go to says who you follow. So if I wanted to answer the question in my life about whom I follow, I'd need to take a quick look at my prayer life. I'd need to say, am I actually trusting God? Am I going to God? Am I clinging on to God? Am I trusting God? Who do I pray to? Who do I pray with? I honestly think you can tell what people think of Jesus by how well the prayer meetings attended. And I know it's controversial, and I know it makes Christians squirm a bit and feel a bit uncomfortable. What that says is, in my life, I put my trust in Jesus, and I will go through whatever uncomfortable pain or difficulty is for me to get into a place where I can pray. And most people, if we're being honest, whether we know Jesus or don't know Jesus, when we're in trouble, generally we will shoot up a prayer. 
Even if we're not sure who we're shooting that up to, we will shoot up a prayer. We'll go, if anyone's out there, I could do with some help. If I had a loved one who was sick and there were no answers medically for them, I'd be shooting up a lot of prayers. And that would be me even before I knew Jesus. Whom do you follow? Who do you pray to? Who do you call out to? Who do you trust when it's difficult? Who do you go to when it's great? At the end of your day, what are you on your knees for? When the church calls people to pray, are you there? Are you praying? I would say to you in this room, if you know Jesus and love Jesus, you guys who got baptized today, one of the things you want to practice and get good at is praying and taking your stuff to Jesus and finding out what he says about it. One of the things you want to get skilled at is praying out loud and having a go at that. All of you who did your stories today, you did so well. And I know for some of you, that was a massive hurdle. It's a really big crowd of people to speak in front of. That was a huge hurdle. Praying is like that. It's, it's about coming before God with lots of other people and getting over yourself, getting over that feeling of, oh my gosh, I've got to speak out loud, I've got to do something, I've got to say something that hopefully is not heretical. I've got to open my mouth. Praying can be a bit of a hurdle, but let me say, when you pray, you access God like nothing else. You get to actually speak to the maker of heaven and earth the one who holds all things in his hands, and you get that access. You get that access if you know and love Jesus, and even if you don't, because he is so gracious and so kind, he listens to every single prayer. And he will assume that when you cry out to someone for help, you actually mean him. And so I have known in my life many people who do not know and love Jesus shoot a prayer up and have a prayer answered I've known people find hope when they pray. So let me encourage you, my first one, to pray. Be people who pray. Young men who got baptised, be people who pray. Number two, the man at the gate had never walked. So he was lame from birth. He had never worked. He had never danced. He had never leapt. He had probably never felt of any use whatsoever. He had a physical body that limited him over and over again. And in fact, it controlled his whole life. It dictated where his income came from. It controlled everything. And then he met Jesus. And Jesus has this habit of just turning the tables, changing the situation when he steps into it. All the way through the Gospels, what you read about is a man who approached people who were physically sick, emotionally sick, spiritually sick, who were trapped, who were hurting, who had no hope, and you watched him change their stories. All of these eight guys told a story where Jesus had stepped into their world and changed their story. See, he's a king of a kingdom, Jesus, and he's the king of all kings. So we've just got a king who is the king of England, or the king of the United Kingdom, or even the king of the Commonwealth, but we know a king who is the king of all kings, and he has a kingdom that he is bringing in, and this kingdom turns things around. 
This kingdom makes those who can't walk, walk. This kingdom makes those with no voice have a voice. This kingdom takes people from one thing, darkness, and brings them into light. This kingdom transforms things, changes things. So if you're sitting there thinking, I am so stuck. I am so stuck where I am. I'm stuck in this attitude. I'm stuck in this body. I'm stuck in this situation. Maybe you need a king. Maybe you need a kingdom that turns stuff around. And you can be a Christian and feel like that. You can be a Christian and feel like I'm trapped. I have no idea how to get out of the situation I'm in. In fact, I feel like I'm carried places. I feel like people are carrying me. And you can not know Jesus and feel like that. But there is a king and there is a kingdom that turns stuff on its head. Where actually weakness is a strength. Where humility is greatly honoured. Justin Welby said of the Queen that she was a servant leader and she'll always be remembered because of that. It's where servants are the greatest of all leaders. It's a, it's a transformative kingdom. It's beautiful and you can access that. You see, there is hope in this kingdom because there's a king who is a living example of hope. He brings it to so many people. And if you don't believe me or you think, I'm struggling to connect with that, what I know about God is more like he's a stern headmaster, not a king with a kingdom who changes stuff and and turns things around. You should read a Bible. If you're a Christian here, you should read your Bible. I know far too many Christians who don't read their Bibles. And I'm not going to say tut, tut, tut. What I'm going to say is read it. Because then you have access to this living hope and you get to see what God is like. And he changes things. He turns things around. So if you feel stuck, if you feel like you need help, he is the place to go. Number three, there's a gate. The gate is called Beautiful and it is simply in the story, the gate into the temple. So you would have the temple, you would have the surrounding area, you'd have a gate. That, that led into the temple. It is literally the entry point to get into the temple. And this gate was called Beautiful, which has such a contrast there of the man sitting whose life was not very beautiful at the gate. And so he's sitting at the gate, beautiful, and then God does something beautiful, does something quite incredible. And this man gets to walk in through the gate. So it was the entry point for the temple. It was the way in to worship. It was the place where where people could access God and get in. And the Bible's clear that Christianity is not a list of rules. So you eight who stood up here today, at the end of today, we're not going to pass you a list of rules that says, if you dress like this, if you behave like this, then you'll be good to go. Christianity is a relationship with a person. You've been invited into an adventure where you get to walk with Jesus, follow Jesus in freezing cold water and everything else. You get to go with someone Christianity is not about rules, it's about relationship. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes as Christians, we forget that. And we put all these rules in place and all these things that we're like, well, it's got to look like this, be like this, you've got to wear this, you've got to do that. And we forget this is about a relationship with a person. The gate, the entry point, the way we get into this is through Jesus Christ and nothing else. 
The way we come in is through the cross and what he did there, how he died in our place for all our sin. That's our entry point. That's how we get in. But that remains our gate. So you never have to come here on a Sunday feeling like I've had the worst week. I can't possibly enter God's presence because look at what I've done. What you make yourself then is the gate. You make your righteousness and your behavior the gate instead of making Christ it. The beautiful gate that gets you into the presence of God with God's people is Jesus. He himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you are a Christian here today, you get to come into God's place with God's people through Jesus. If you are not a Christian here today, you get to come into God's presence, God's place with God's people through Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful gate and a beautiful offer that the Bible gives. If you don't believe me, have a read of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read any of them and you will find for yourself it is a beautiful gate where you can access God. Number four, this is the first time, I think, where Peter and John really look like Jesus. So they did the things that Jesus did and they offered the beggar, not what they had in and of themselves, not their skills, not their money, not not what they had in their pockets. They offered him Jesus. They said, look at us. And the beggar looks at them intently thinking, they're going to give me some money. I'm going to be all right. And they say, what we have is Jesus. And I love men and women who offer that. I think they're the kind of men and women that I love spending time with, I love to be around, because actually they're not saying I'm the answer, they're not saying I'll be your substitute saviour, they're saying if you want to know how to be well, let me tell you about Jesus. It's one of my little markers for men and women who I think I trust and I want to spend time with, is whether they are men and women that will help me get to Jesus, or whether they are pointing it to themselves or they're fixing it with their finances, or their position, or their whatever. What I want in my life to grow and to grow up in God is men and women that help me get to Jesus. Young men who got baptised today, position around you men and women who help you get to Jesus. It doesn't mean you can't have any other friends. It doesn't mean you can't have any voices, any other influence. What it means is some of your key players need to be those who can help you get to Jesus. Some of your key people need to be those who say, I don't have all the answers. Let me show you it in the Bible. Let me show you it in his life. Let me show you it in his presence. Let me show you it in the songs we sing. Let me show you Jesus. It's one of the best things we can do as Christians is offer people Jesus. If this church becomes all about me, we're in trouble. If this church becomes all about you, we're in trouble. If we retain what is at the essence of us, that we are all about Jesus, we will be just fine. If we keep pointing people to him, keep helping people get to him, we will be just fine. And we will build something that is messy but beautiful. We will build something that the world will keep wanting to come into because it's authentic and real. And let's be honest, sometimes I am not. 
Sometimes I get things wrong, I mess things up, I say things that I'd like to live like, but I don't manage to live like it. So if you look at me, what you're going to find is hypocrisy. If you look at Jesus, you're going to find something genuine and real. And in a celebrity-driven culture, we need to be very careful who we're pointing people to. So if you come to this church, we hope you know that it's all about Jesus. We hope you know that he is the one we lift up. He's the answer for it all. And then lastly, number five, then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went to the temple with them. See, this man met Jesus while he was on the edge of it all, but the result was a life spent worshipping, leaping, praising, jumping, a transformed life that resulted in him walking into the temple with God's people. It meant that Whereas he was outside of the gate and he was sitting begging and he was trying to reach out for something, it meant that he could get up, walk and move into the place where God was with his people. It it totally changed things around, but the result was really worship. The result was a man who, it said, like if you carry on in the story, it says the people were astounded because they'd seen this guy begging by the gate and then they saw this guy who's dancing, singing, with Peter and John. I like to play forward in stories in the Bible and think, I wonder what it looked like the following week, the week after, the week after that. I'm hoping that he still went to the temple and that he accessed it through the beautiful gate and that he walked in week after week, day after day, to be in God's presence because it's the right response when we've met Jesus. It's the right response to hold our hands up and go, whoa, you're real. I must worship you. I must sing. I must press in. It's a right response. And sometimes we look at a community of people where we're singing and dancing and think, it's a bit over the top, it's a bit much. Actually, we are just like the beggar who's had their life completely transformed. We were on the outside and now we're on the inside. We were shut out of God's place and God's presence and from God's people. And now we're right in there with everybody. I'm going to sing and dance every day of the week. I'm going to sing and dance on a Sunday more than I dance anywhere else because I'm with a whole group of people who also were outside and have come in through the most beautiful gate and had my life totally transformed. I can agree with all eight of these young men. They all met Jesus. They all had a story that said, I've met Jesus and he's turned my life around. The direct result should be that I now worship, that I now dance, that I now sing. And so seamlessly, I'm going to invite the band up and seamlessly we're going to go into a little bit of worship. Do you like what I did there? (laughs) And we are going to worship him. Why? Because he's a beautiful gate, because he transforms lives, because he's turned my life around, because he's turned all eight of these young men's life around because in this room he has turned loads of your lives around. Where should you be on a Sunday? Here. Where should you be when we call you to pray? Right stuck in the middle. Why? Because it's a list of rules and because you have to? No. Because you want to. Because you have met the most beautiful saviour and you have had your life turned around. 
You've been transformed by an encounter with the living God and you will never be the same again. Does it mean that it'll all be Disney? No. What it means is you walk with Jesus in everything. So whether it's hard or it's easy, you know God in it. So I'm going to invite you to stand. If you were baptised here this morning, you, you just need to be free to worship him, to celebrate him, to honour him. If you know him and love him, you have a life that has been transformed. If you do not know him yet, there is still plenty of time. And he is so generous and so kind that he will give you so many opportunities until the day you die to know him. So I'm not stressed. I'm not worried about that because I think God is generous and capable. If you want to make this your moment today, that is absolutely fine. But at some point in your life, you will want to give your life to Jesus because he's a beautiful gate where you get to enter into his plans and his purposes. Let's worship him. If you want to talk to us more, we will be by the pizza table and we will happily, in between mouthfuls of food, chat to you about anything you've heard here today. Be brave, ask your questions, make your objections. We are a robust group of people. We're called Real Life because we really are real. And we really will tell you what it's like and we really will tell you what you need to do. So ask your questions, wrestle with stuff, but at the end of the day, come in through the beautiful gate. Let's sing.